Let's begin our reading this evening in Genesis chapter 28, and we'll read verses 6 through 9. Genesis chapter 28, and we'll begin at verse 6 this evening. Genesis 28 and verse 6. Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take himself a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. Also Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebojath, to be his wife in addition to the wives he had. And this is an interesting account where Esau still trying to win his father's favor, still trying to gain some kind of blessing from his father. And so he seeks that opportunity. He says, okay, I've, I've seen what Jacob did, and it pleased Isaac. I see that he doesn't like my wives that I got from Canaan, from the land of Canaan, and so that, that upset him, so I shouldn't do that again. And so he decides, okay, I'm not going to marry a Canaanite, I'm going to marry someone else, actually from a descendant of, of Abraham. That ought to make him happy. That ought to get me a blessing. Uh, God will have to bless me. Isaac will have to bless me if I do this, because he was trying to imitate what Jacob had done. The only problem is, is that Esau took his third wife from his uncle Ishmael's family, and Ishmael had already been rejected by God as being part of the Abrahamic blessing and the covenant. And so Ishmael had already been rejected. And so just because he was a descendant of Abraham, that didn't win any favors, certainly not with God and not with Isaac either. And so in this scheme that Esau came up with, I believe we have a very good illustration of the flesh. The flesh... uh, Esau is certainly a good picture of the flesh, and Ishmael is a picture of the flesh. And in this case, Esau is a type of the flesh because he's trying to imitate genuine faith. And that's what the religious flesh does. There are those that are being living their life according to the dictates of their own carnal flesh, but they try to approach it from a religious standpoint. I can win God's favor if I do this. Ishmael, of course, is a picture of the law. Let's go to Galatians 4 and verse 30. And so Esau, trying to imitate Jacob, he falls short of Jacob's example. He tries to take a different route. He says, but this is similar. This should be just as good, and and this should earn me God's blessing. Well, that's what the religious flesh does. It tries through ceremonies and through rituals and through religion. It tries to earn and win God's favor. The only problem is it's still not the route of faith that God demands. And specifically, as we come to the fulfillment of all of God's blessings to Abraham, faith in Jesus Christ, that one and only mediator between God and man. But those who try to gain God's favor by any other route— they're going to fall short. Just Esau, he still did not win the blessing from his father, Isaac. 
Galatians 4.30 says, Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So this, Paul is making that contrast between law and grace. And the, the types that he uses here, the image that he paints is Ishmael, is a picture of the law, and that Isaac was the son of promise. And so he is a picture of grace. Let's also read Romans 8 and verses 6 through 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Esau could not please his father Isaac, and he could not please God because he was not in the way of faith like Jacob was. What joy and peace is found in knowing that we are found in Christ and that we are accepted by God in the beloved. We have nothing to prove to God. We've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, if you want to note down that familiar passage in Ephesians chapter 1 and the list there in verses 3 through 14. We've already been blessed from past eternity because of what Jesus did. And, and we enter into those blessings by faith, not by trying to impress God with some ceremony or ritual or good work that we can do, but by faith in the promise of his grace. That's the way that Abraham took, it's the way that Isaac took, and it is the way that Jacob is taking as we continue the account here. So let's go back to Genesis 28, and now we'll read verses 10 through 22, where we see the man of faith and the route that he is taking. Very different from Esau. Here we're going to see that Jacob inherits the blessings of God and that he is learning to walk by faith. Genesis 28, beginning at verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Just an interesting note. Some commentators say that he didn't use the stone as a pillow, but... It was a, a practice to put it there as a weapon, if necessary, in the middle of the night. So it didn't necessarily use the stone as a pillow, but he had a stone there in case he needed protection in the middle of the night, a weapon. And then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we have a repetition here of the promises that were made to Abraham. They are now being passed down to Jacob. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. 
Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel, which means the house of God. But the name of the, the that city had been loose previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If, or better translated, since, God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. And so Jacob makes a vow to pay a tithe to God for all the blessings that God is going to give him. Jacob has had the privilege of seeing the faith of Abraham and Isaac and has seen the faithfulness of God to his father and to his grandfather. What a precious gift it is for individuals to have a heritage of godliness. And that doesn't mean that those who don't have that heritage don't have the privilege to start that with their family, uh, and that you can be the beginning of such a, a wonderful heritage for those of your descendants that follow after you. But when there is that opportunity for there to be examples of men and women of faith that you have been able to observe in your family, and not only in your family, but in the church family as well. What an opportunity that is to see the reality of what faith in God can do. You can look around and observe, whether you look at the world or you look at carnal Christians, judge the results and the consequences of living a life contrary to the will of God. Is that really the kind of life that you want to live? Look at the the scars and the hurt and the destruction that comes from living according to the lust of your own flesh. It's not appealing when you look at it honestly. But when you look at the lives of those who have learned to trust God, and again, it's a process, and, and, and there are no perfect Christians, but there are those that are examples of what it means to trust God, and when even when they fail to trust God, as we have seen at times in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they've learned to return to that place of faithfulness by applying God's grace. And you see the benefits of that kind of life and those kinds of choices. Jacob had the privilege of seeing that in Abraham and and in Isaac. And now Jacob has been given these same promises of grace, but now he has to choose for himself to believe them. He's received them. He's been given the opportunity to benefit from these things, but now he has to personally believe. He can't live on his father's faith, and he can't live on his grandfather's faith. He has to know that these things are from God and for him and that they're true. So God begins to reveal himself to to Jacob, begins to show him the same grace that he's shown his father and grandfather, but now he has to apply that for his own life and his own experience. 
This is true for us as well in every generation. We have the responsibility to teach our, our children and to give the next generation the opportunity to hear these wonderful truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a privilege that is. What a responsibility that is. And it gives our children an advantage, our grandchildren an advantage in this world that the unbeliever doesn't have, or even the believer that, that's not exposed to sound doctrine. They're not given the tools they need to face life and, and to enjoy life to its fullest, the joy unspeakable and full of glory, peace that passes understanding in the midst of storms. Only the Word of God can give you that, and only faith in these promises are going to make it real in your life. It's not enough to hear about it. It's not enough to even know it. You have to believe it. And when you do, when you choose that faith personally, then you're going to benefit from the blessings that God has provided for you. Some parents allow their children to set the spiritual direction of the family. I've noticed over the years, if the children don't want to go to church, well, that's okay. Or if they want to go to this church because they have this program or that program, then the children make the choice. Uh, But a good parent doesn't do that in any other area of their life. It's the parent's responsibility to make those choices. But the reality is, after we've done our part to be an example, first and foremost, of what faith is, to make learning the ways of God a priority in their life, not not an afterthought, not if there's time and energy after you do everything else, but if you make your spiritual life a priority, after you've done all of that as, as a parent, the reality is, When they become adults, they must make those decisions of faith. And so to our children and our young people, there's going to come a time when you're going to have to face life in all of its realities with a personal faith. And you won't be able to face them with your parents' faith or your grandparents' faith. You're going to have to trust God for yourself. And so as we learn these things that we hear over and over again in church and All of us, young and old, can probably quote many of these things and many of these truths. But when you're faced with the realities of the trials of life, the hardships of life, and the persecution that comes simply because you've made a choice to serve the Lord, these truths and these promises have to be real to you if you're going to enter into all the promises of grace that we've been given. If you're going to experience them, they're yours, but you can only experience them as a reality, by faith. When those difficult times come, you'll have to make that choice. You can run away, you can choose a different route, or you can trust God. And if you've had examples of faith, take advantage of those examples. In my case, in my family, I've had both examples. I've told you on several occasions, I don't know how many uncles and great uncles I have that are dead, drunk alcoholics that have lived lives of immorality. I've seen that example firsthand. But I'm also glad that I've seen some men and women of faith in my family as well. And when I compare the two, uh, you know, those that live by faith, they had problems too. They had trials. They have difficulties. But they had a peace about them. They had a joy about them. There was a stability about them that I, that's what I want for my life. But I have to understand that that same faith, my great-grandfather was, was a uh, preacher, and 
A lot of spiritual fruit came from his ministry, but I can't live my life on his faith. I can't boast. I didn't inherit spirituality from him. I have to live a life of faith myself. Jacob was learning this. We have to learn this as well. When God begins to speak to you, and he will, if you, if you look for him, if you seek him, he'll begin to speak to you. He'll begin through his word to speak to you, promises. And you have to say, I believe he's God. And I believe that he's going to do what he said he would do. Can we take God at his word? Try to imagine for just a minute Jacob's desperate situation. Remember our lessons, previous lessons? Jacob was a young man who was used to being close to home and family. And remember, he was kind of a stay-home body. He was kind of a mama's boy. And that's what he was used to. But now he has to leave home under the threat of his brother trying to kill him. And he doesn't know at this point whether his brother's following him to, to follow through with that threat to kill him. He doesn't know what's ahead of him. He's going to a place he doesn't know, to people he doesn't know. He was full of questions and fears. He was all alone and in the middle of nowhere. So you kind of understand, sometimes you feel that way, don't you? Just life is hard sometimes. It was for Jacob. And as we'll see, it's only going to get harder for him in some ways. And yet in the midst of that desperate situation, the Lord spoke to him and made him some promises. And Jacob is going to lay hold of those It's going to be a process, but he's going to lay hold of those promises. He wasn't going to die in the wilderness. I'm sure he wrestled with that. Is my brother coming, or am I just going to die before I get to where I need to be? And that's when God gave him this vision. There was a bridge between heaven and earth. The angels were going up and down. God was telling Jacob, you have an unlimited supply line to supply everything you need. It comes directly from God in heaven, and there is that link between heaven and earth. And those angels, they're going to minister to you. You're going to have everything you need when you need it. Jacob placed that stone at his head, and if it was for protection instead of a pillow, he learned that God was his protection. In verse 17 of 28, where we read, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. It's always awesome in the presence of the Lord. And for the child of God, who's living by faith, that presence is always with you. We are the temple of God. Not some place, but we are the temple of the living God. Romans 8, 28. This is one of those promises. We we see the promises that God made to Jacob, but we have far more promises than God gave Jacob. Are we going to believe him? Is he God? And remember, children and young people, These aren't just scriptures to learn in Sunday school. These are promises from your Heavenly Father. Now, either they're true or throw throw your Bible out if, if, if it's not the Word of God. But if it is, and it's proven itself to be, what comfort and peace these, these promises, and this is just a few of the familiar ones that we know, but Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things, does it really mean all things? the bad things, the tragedies of life, the things that you don't want, the things that cause you to weep. The Word of God says, your Heavenly Father says to you, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. 
Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Jacob was amazed. He was awestruck when he had this vision of heaven and, and how there was a link between heaven and earth where he was. Jacob was thinking, oh, this place is the house of God. He didn't realize that God was going to be with him wherever he went. Not at that point anyway. But in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, we have that specific promise. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself, who? Who's he? The creator of heaven and earth. The one who spoke everything into existence from nothing with just his word. That's the one who's making you this promise, if you believe it. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Again, remember Jacob's situation. He was in a desperate situation in the wilderness by himself, strange place, going to a strange place, the threat of murder, so many unknowns. So the next time you find yourself in that position where it just seems like everything and everyone's against you and nothing's going right. Anybody have any of those days? <laughs> Nothing seems to be going right. And everybody seems to be against you. Everybody? If God be for you, who can be against you? He's the one who's working all things out for your good. Your eternal good. And we have to keep that heavenly perspective. Don't get wrapped up in the moment. I want this, and I want it now, and I want it this way. If you do that, you're going to be miserable your whole life. But when you learn to take every circumstance and every situation from the hand of your loving, wise, almighty Father, you're going to have peace and joy even in the midst of your tears sometimes. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. What an awesome place to be. John 1. Jesus makes reference to Jacob's dream in John 1, and he gives us a little clarification. He gives us a little interpretation of what that vision was all about. John 1 and verses 50, verse 51, John 1, 51, and he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of of man. So who was that ladder? Not what was that ladder, but who? Jesus is the link between heaven and earth. He's the conduit of all of God's blessings, just as he was for Jacob. Jesus Christ is for us that ladder to heaven, that connection, that supply line, everything that we need. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ reconciled heaven and earth God and man, to all of those who believe. Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 22. Jesus is our high priest. He is our mediator. He is our ladder to heaven. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, that is his sacrifice, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Do you see the confidence you can live life with knowing that God is going to supply what you need when you need it to have God's best in this life and in eternity? 
Jump over to, jump back actually to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come how? Boldly, with confidence, to the throne of what kind of a throne? The throne of favor, a throne of grace, the throne of your Father, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jacob said this is an awesome place. Saints, we have an awesome place everywhere we go because the Lord is with us. May we trust him. May we have faith. I think we'll close there this evening.